0: into the dark. This treasure I have in this body of clay continues to grow when I give it away. So I'm gonna give it away. Getting stronger
1: and all high. right, good morning and welcome. Let's all stand together, if you will. Let's sing about our Savior's love this morning. Lift your voices with me, if you will. I stand amazed in the presence. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned, unclean how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me for me it was in the garden he prayed not my will but thine he had no own griefs but sweat drops of blood for mine
2: Amen? But it's not bad on this side either. Amen? It's kind of enjoying uh, the journey. I'm glad I know where I'm going. but I want to have a good time along the way and be pleasing to the Lord. We're so glad that you're here today. So thankful that you're with us on the 4th of July week. Did anybody lose any fingers this week? Anybody have any Massive accidents. I'm glad to see y'all survive the fourth. And I know a lot of folks are on vacation, a lot of folks traveling. The reason I know that is my wife and kids are gone, and they're up in Georgia with the family. So you pray for them. They're having a little getaway time with the family. And uh, we're just thrilled that you're here today, looking forward to a great, great day. Uh, Brother John, you did great today. I'm sorry, Brother Daryl. Uh, Brother John is on vacation with his girls, so Brother Daryl filled in nicely. They look the same. Can't hardly tell the difference. Amen. But uh, both handsome, handsome men. Good. Uh, But we're thrilled you're here. Do we have guests and visitors? If this is your first time or first time in a very long time to Community Bible Baptist Church, we want to thank you for being with us today. Looking forward to meeting you. We don't want to embarrass you at all. We don't want to embarrass you. But if you'll fill out a visitor card, give it to the ladies at the Welcome Center. They'll give you a gift back. Jason's got a young man. Good to have you today. God bless you. Others, hold your hand up, leave it up until the men come by. And if you'll drop that in the uh, offering plate or at the Welcome Center, uh, you'll receive a gift bag. And thank you for being with us today. want to continue to pray. Uh, appreciate all your prayers for baby Maya. Maya. Maya's good. But when she gets back, we are going to have to go in the hospital for some normal, uh, this is what they tell us now, this is normal uh stuff associated with a transplant kid. So nothing out of the ordinary other than they know these things happen. So pray for her. And then it's so good to see uh, Brother uh, David and Miss Lori We're continue to pray for our dear Brother Joe as he's getting close to seeing the Lord. And uh, just a uh, precious, precious man we love dearly. You pray for the Hall family, if you would, and the uh, Joe and, and Lori, sister Lisa as well up north. And so Pray for that family. Others in our church family, uh, Brother Don Combs recovering, uh, so many of our folks going through some stuff, so let's remember to pray for them and uh, call them. Go by and see them. Try to encourage them a little bit, if you would. Let's pray together, and then I'm going to have you be seated, and Miss Anthony is going to come and sing for us. Father, we pray this morning that you do only what you can do. We will certainly try to get out of the way that you may be exalted, You tell us in your word that if you'll be lifted up from the earth, you'll draw all men unto you. So, Lord, we want to do that today. We want to draw men to Christ by allowing Christ to be preeminent. And, Lord, I pray today that you would help somebody. I know in a crowd this large, and a crowd this size, there's somebody that has a great need, there's somebody that has a great question that can be only answered from the word of God. In a world that is forever changing, I'm so very grateful that the Bible always has the answer, regardless of time or culture. And Lord, I pray that in these uh, unstable days, that we would never leave the settled rock of ages, the Word of God, Lord, the Scripture, the Bible, the Word of truth. I pray, Lord, that it would be what we live through and on. Bless our people today, I pray. I pray especially today for those that are really struggling. I know Lori is hurting, and David, and... Lisa and that family, we love Joe and we bless you for his friendship over these years. And we thank you that we have known what a good man is by seeing the life and testimony of Brother Joe. We lift him to you and we know he's ready. We know he knows where he's going and he's longing to be there. But Lord, that doesn't make it easier on this side. Bless others, we pray. Bless those traveling, so many on the road today. Pray you'd watch over them, give them traveling mercies coming home now, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated, choir. You may be seated. Anthony, you may sing.
3: The Father has a plan, though it's hard to see it now. You feel you're walking all alone, but He Is there no swiftly rising and you wonder where he's been friend there's never been a moment when his arms aren't reaching out you can rest assured and be secured, God Oh, me.
2: Thank you, Brother Monroe. Again, filling in for Brother John today. Just taught in Sunday school about the guilt of our past. Only when we accept the blame for our actions can God remove the guilt. People live under guilt, and that affects them physically, mentally, spiritually, and the devil just keeps beating them to death with the guilt. But when you accept that, I'm a sinner in need of a great Savior, the Lord can make you free and deliver you from that great guilt of the past. Let's all stand together. Choir, you want to find your way down? Brother Daryl. you want to come and lead us another song? Join us as we sing. Choir, you find your way down. Let's sing together. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. Brother Daryl, you come. How are you? going to put this on or am I going to put it on? Is that me? Some days I think that Caleb just does that to make me crazy. All right. Crazy, crazier, crazier. Am I, am I over now? All right, good. All right. He turns it on when I want it off. And he turns it off when I want it on. But I think it's just his way of reminding me who runs the service back there, the sound guy. Always be nice to the sound guy. They run everything. All right. Second Kings chapter number two, Old Testament book, Second Kings chapter number two. It's good to see each and every one of you and appreciate you being here today. And I just want you to know that I went 30 minutes in Sunday school today, so 30 minutes. So I am doing great today, man. I'm going to be short, sweet and to the point and get you out of here uh, early today. I promise early today. I'm, I'm not kidding, watch this, watch this. Two verses of Scripture, begin reading with me. Verse number 23. And he went up from thence, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. He went up from thence unto Bethel. Mark that, very important. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. go up, thou bald head. He turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord, and there came forth two she bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Now this morning I, I want to bring a message as we continue this this series on your family matters, and I want to talk to you about what I believe, and and you you can disagree with me on this. I'll be perfectly in your right, but I believe there is a lack of respect in the current culture and generation. And specifically, I believe there is a lack of respect toward the things of God. I believe that we have people that have determined that they will do that, which is right in their own eyes. In fact, the Bible says that's going to be a sign of the last times, as it was in the days of Noah, basically. People are going to do what they want to do, where they want to do, with who they want to do, and as much as they want to do. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I won't bother to read all of it to you, but there's a list of things there, and, and it's unthankful, it's ungrateful, it's uh, disobedient, it's all these things where we could summarize uh, just the thoughts of those end time passages, Brother Angel, with the idea of uh, just no respect, no respect for God, no respect for parents, no, no real respect for authority, and we see that playing out so much. And you would say that that is a new phenomenon, but it's not a new phenomenon. It's an old phenomenon repackaged over and over throughout the centuries. But I read this week a, a statement made, and boy, I just echoed, Amen, Amen, Amen. Pastor said this. He said, I really, uh, I'm paraphrasing the statement, but he said, I really do not uh, want to see or like to see young people who mock their spiritual heritage. And I went on to add to that statement and thinking about that, that uh, we do not have to repeat the past of our spiritual heritage in the wrong things, but we ought to thank God for everything we learn from them, uh, irregardless of some of maybe the things that we don't want to duplicate. And what it really boils down to is a lot of young people and a lot of folks in general are turning their back on anything they've been taught, and uh, they're trying to find all new things, and they're saying the past and the preacher, uh, the parents... The things we've learned from the past uh, really have no value. Now watch me, listen to me. You know this, I know this, very simple. Those that do not study the past are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. Tonight if you'll come back, and I know it's summertime, I understand that, but uh, I am trying desperately on Sunday nights through this series to really lay some strong ground groundwork and foundation on the church. And if you'll come back tonight, uh, we're going to look at... Uh, Uh, some things about uh, the local church and where we come from and where we are, and Lord willing, as we develop this, where we're going. But it's very important that we look at the past and realize that some of those landmarks or some of those boundaries that were set by our forefathers, by our parents, by those that came before us, they're set there for a purpose and a reason. One wise old preacher said, before you take down the fence, you ought to learn why the fence was put up in the first place. And there's just a, a lack of respect. And, and, and this little small vignette in Scripture really capsulizes that. And, and let me just take a moment. This is, again, I love the miracles and ministry of Elijah And Elisha, probably two of my favorite characters in all the Word of God. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with my pastor, Dr. Tom Malone, preaching a long series on those two ministries and the miracles. But uh, in chapter number 2, in the passage we read here... Uh, in the early portion of the passage, Elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And it's a a miracle. It's a moment in time. Uh, Elijah was translated. He did not see death. And Elisha, of course, had asked him for the double portion of his spirit that he might go on for God and do something for God. And Elisha had had been given the requirement that if you see me taken up, uh, then you can have that. And so he stayed with Elijah all the way to the end. The mantle falls. Elisha picks it up. comes back to Jordan, smites the Jordan, the Jordan opens, he walks across, and he's beginning his ministry. And then quickly, as we just kind of look at the context of Scripture, uh, he does that miracle. And then there's the second miracle where the water is healed, so it's drinkable water. And and then Elisha is just heading down the road, just kind of walking. And he goes to Bethel. And interesting, we'll, we'll get there in a moment. Bethel traditionally is a place of great worship, but in this time and place, Bethel had been changed. And, and as he comes through Bethel, a group we know of at least 42, looks to be a larger number, but we know of at least 42 uh, children, little children of the Bible term. We'll look at that in a moment as well. They come up and they make this statement, Go up, bald head. Go up, bald head. Now, you and I, that's not a big deal to us. We, we just think, well, they're making fun of his hair loss. If that were the case, we'd... Make fun of a lot of us together. But uh, uh, there's so much more to that statement. I want you to notice a couple of things this morning. And again, I, I don't have a long message, but I do have an important message. We must, here's my thought, we must once again turn to respecting the things of God. I'm not saying the office of pastor. I'm not saying the local church. I'm saying the things of God and all that entails. Now, let me give you just three simple thoughts. Number one, I want you to notice their age. Verse 23, the Bible says this, little children. Now, how many of you have seen the picture where there's a bunch of little kids coming out, here's old Elisha coming along, and these little children come out, and they mock him? Ever seen that picture in the, in the storybooks, the little children? And then in your mind, you're thinking, the Lord allowed 42 children to be torn apart by two she-bears. Man, that just doesn't seem right, little children. Well, first of all, let me explain about their age. They were not little children in the sense of Maya and Hudson. They were little children in the sense, as the Bible uses the term, little children. Before I get into that, can I get into this? Uh, This idea of childhood and this idea of adolescence. And this idea of pre-teen, teen, post-teen, young adult, this idea is all relatively new to within the last century. You know why we have adolescence and child development and, 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 and young adulthood and all those things? Because we had to somehow reconcile Darwinism. Darwin says you start from here and you evolve. And so when the Darwinians began to look at childhood, they couldn't look at the biblical model. They had to make their own model. So they said uh, they've got to be you know, in the infant stage and all these. And, and they processed through. Do you know what the Bible describes childhood and adulthood as? I'll give you a very simple answer to that. you know what the Bible describes childhood and adulthood as? Childhood and adulthood. In the scripture, there is no children like, oh, he's, he's 18, he's a child, he's 17, 15 teenagers. No, in the scripture and up until the last century, it was simply this, you're either a child or you're an adult. You're either a child or, you know, let me prove it to you in the Bible. Isaac was called, same word, it's the word N A A R, it's the Hebrew word N A R. It is Isaac being called this when he was 28 years old. Uh, Joseph was 39, same word, and Rehoboam, when he became king, was 40. It was describing someone who was young but not someone who was a child. And and in the scripture, when you look at it, there's really two places in life you are. You're either a child, and that's up to immaturity, so on and so forth, or you're an adult. And so what we're saying here is that these were not little bitty children. These were younger men who were immature men. These were men that did not have any wisdom. These were men that did not have any uh, maturity about them. And they were coming out and mocking this man of God. Now, I, I, I did a sermon on this several years ago for single vision conference. And let me just say this. There is something about the age of 20 and the word of God that's very important. 20 years of old, 20 years of age, uh, you were called to go to war. 20 years of age, you were responsible for your spiritual decision. In the wilderness, all those that were what? 20 and under were able to go into the promised land. But once you hit 20, you stood on your own. I, I would hate to be the guy that had his 19th or 20th birthday the day before God judged the people. And all of a sudden, he had to make that big decision. But God said at 20 is your cutoff time. Now, here's what I'm going to say This. We are giving a lot of passes to young people who are old enough to be responsible for their actions. We are, oh, we are coddling. That's a good word, isn't it? We are babying. We are pampering young men and young women, and we are saying, "Oh, you know, they're just young." You know, it's interesting. Uh, back. in and again, just because the good old days, the good old days were not always good. They were the hard old days, right? There were some tough days. But you understand, there was a time in our country when, when 19 and 20-year-olds stormed beaches to liberate freedom. Now we're looking for safe spaces to cry in because we're offended. By the way, just because you're offended doesn't make it right. I'm offended about a lot of things doesn't make me right. Responsibility. This is not little children that didn't know better. This was young adult men who own purpose. By the way, when you make a decision on purpose, you ought to be able to receive the responsibility for the decision you made. How about this good old-fashioned term? Just grow up. Paul said, when I was a child, I put away childish things. I would love for some young people to read that verse and realize he's talking to you. Well, you know, preacher, they're just young. How old are they, 30? Well, you know, when he gets it all together, he'll move out. How old is he, 45? You know, preacher, we're just trying to help him navigate through life. It's so hard. How old is he, 52? 52? Yeah, and you, preacher, you're making that up. If I'm lying, I'm dying. We got 60-year-olds treating 30-year-olds like babies. And then we wonder, when are they going to grow up? I'll give you an answer. They're never going to grow up unless you make them. Number two. I told you it's going to be a short message. Number two. They were not little children. They were men of age who knew better. And they made a decision based on their attitudes. Their attitude was, we know better than God. We know better than the man of God. Now, mocking of the bald head. Now, again, that's that's not a biggest deal to us. Uh, just not in our culture, but you understand in Jewish culture, the hair is your symbol of wisdom and age and maturity. The Bible said that we're to respect the hoary head, the aged head, the ancient head. And, and so when they're mocking him, they are mocking not just his age, they're mocking not just his hair, but they're mocking the fact that this was a man of maturity. Some people said bald head. Some writers said this, that the bald head could be even symbolizing that he was empty in the head. I don't take that as much as just a natural baldness. And so for Elisha to be bald, uh, that would be kind of a, a harsh thing to deal with because there's so much given to the hair. By the way, I love the hair of a good-looking older man, that white, solid hair and all that. Uh, that's just handsome to me. And I've, always, I've often thought about just kind of dyeing my hair on the side. But now I don't have to dye because the beard's catching up with the hair. But anyway, um, have children and pastor a church, you'll get great quickly. But uh, they're mocking his hair. They're mocking Uh, his baldness or lack of hair, I should say. They're mocking his position. They had just seen, as the witnesses before them had just seen uh, what had transpired with the taking of Elijah, and now uh, Elisha has the, the title, man of God, the man of God. It's interesting, we tease amongst our preacher friends, we tease about having the man of God car. You know what the man of God car is? The man of God car is that that big roadster, that Buick Roadster. That that big LTD, some of you don't know what LTD is, but it's that that big car and it's that that car, when you see it drive in the parking lot, you know, that's the man of God's car. Not, not the Corvette. That's the retired man of God's car right there, yeah. Amen. Pickup truck, man of God's car right there. But they're mocking his position. They're mocking his mentor. Go up, go up. What they're saying is, hey, Elisha, you go up like Elijah did. Show off. Do what he did. They're mocking. But ultimately, you know this and I know this. They're mocking God. It's interesting to me, as I look at the Word of God, I mean, written some, this passage is several, several hundred years beyond of uh, the, the, the New Testament, and so we're looking at 2,000-plus years now, and yet we still have this attitude of mocking the things of God, belittling the things of God. And, and, and it used to be, and I understand the, the, the outside and those that would oppose God, we understand that where I have a problem, and listen, listen carefully, where I have a problem is not those that mock us from the outside, but those that mock us from the inside. Those that mock us from the inside. Now, I'll say this, I, I am, and again, come back tonight, we're teaching, we're showing uh, our history of where we come from. Uh, I am what I am. I am a product of what I am. Uh, my pastor, my family, uh, those who influence my pastor, those who influence my family, uh, I am a product of what I am. And I will say this, uh, they did not have it all figured out. They made some some mistakes and stumbles along the way. But I'll say this. They were walking in all the light they had. And they were growing, watch this, as you and I need to grow. And so instead of disparaging them or mocking them or belittling them, how would I thank God for somebody that tried their best to teach me about God? Well, they didn't do it all right. Well, first of all, let's just help you and I. We're not doing it all right. Before you throw stones at your mom and dad for how they raised you. Before you throw stones at your old preacher man for how he preached you. Before you throw stones at the past. Remember this, you're not exactly a work of art yourself. We are holding our past to a higher standard than we're willing to look at in the present. We're all pilgrims. We're all growing and learning. Listen, I'm a different pastor at 50 than I was at 27. And if God will give me grace by the time I'm 60 or 70, I I hopefully will have learned some things and grown and matured, and and God will have been able to take some of those rough edges and and do some things in my life. But until then, I I I want to do my best, and I don't want to belittle others who have tried, and maybe they didn't do exactly like you would do, and maybe they didn't do exactly like I would do, but I am not going to mock those who did their best to teach me the principles and precepts of the Word of God. And now we move to the present. I'm certainly not going to mock those that are trying now. You know, not everybody in church has got it all figured out like you do. I'm sorry that we fail we fall short of your perfection standard. I'm sorry that we don't all have all of our doctrine exactly, perfectly aligned as you see it. Now, I'm not... This is not about me, not about our church in, in specific, uh, specifically, but it is an attitude... That I know we're not perfect, and I know I'm not perfect. But I know this, I want to keep you out of hell. And I want to help build a home and a life from the principles and precepts of God's Word. And maybe I'm not going to get it all right, and maybe I'm not going to say everything just right. And maybe my wife, and maybe our staff, and maybe our teachers, and maybe our deacons, maybe we have some missteps along the way. But watch this. We have a heart to see you know God and to follow Him. No room for criticism and mocking. How about praying, supporting, helping, encouraging? They mocked his God. Now, here's the the thought of the message, very simple thought. They were old enough to know better. So they were old enough for their responsibility. Elisha said, I curse you in the name of the Lord. Now, Elisha did not cause she-bears to come out of the woods and attack these kids. Elisha did not have that authority or ability, but God did. We just looked at Matthew 16, what you bind on earth, bound in heaven. There is an authority that the man of God, the church of the living God has, that when we call for God... To intervene. Of course, it's always up to God. It's God's prerogative. But there is authority there. And here's the only point I make: be careful when you attack the man of God or the things of God or the principles of the Word of God. Or, or, you know, if you want to use this term, and it's a, it's a divisive term to some old-time religion, if you would, conservatism, whatever, biblical principles. Be careful when you attack. Be careful because God may hold you accountable. They mocked Elisha. Next thing you know, two she-bears come out. And 42, the Bible says, are torn. I was at my cousin, my wife's cousin, yesterday. We, uh, Anthony, the young man... Uh, I guess Anthony's late 50s, he was supposed to go on the Haiti trip with us and had the massive stroke on Friday before we were to leave on Monday, and he's recovering. But we, went, we stopped by yesterday to visit him, and, and uh, I walked in his living room, and, and I just, whoa, good night. And literally, two bears, literally two giant bears are in his living room, along with elk and deer and anyway. Lots of hunting going on, but there are two giant black bears. One on the right side of his chair, and one on the left. He sits like a throne with two bears.
0: I'm
2: just telling you. I should have took a picture, put it up here. But one of the bears is is probably seven, eight feet tall, and got her got her you know and got that face. And the other one is down on all fours, and she or he whatever. And I just jumped back. I'm like, man, how do you? I, I thought to myself, if I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and was kind of out of my mind and walked past that, I would just die right there, man. If I didn't die, I'd have to at least change something, right? And uh, so, I mean, just, and I just look, I'm looking at, I'll go about, after my startledness is over, I go over and look, and I mean, big old bear and just the fan, the claw. Whew. I learned this the other day. Do you know a bear? can run 35 miles an hour? Do you know I can't run 35 (laughs) miles an hour? But do you know I don't have to run 35 miles an hour? I just have to run faster than you run. Now, we see... Now, if you've been to Pigeon Forge up at at Cade's Cove and you see all the little bears and people, they feed the bears. You know, the, the bears... Don't mind eating you while you're feeding them? I mean, two bears come out and these young men. Do you understand this principle? No respect means responsible when God deals with you. Here's the problem, and this is the summation, simple thought. When we fail to teach children and those that follow us to respect the things of God, we're failing to prepare them for the judgment of God. That's what it boils down to. When we, when we don't preach, and, 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 and listen carefully, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, with doctrine, that means patiently, over and over. But when we fail to preach and teach, and then calamity happens, and they go, what happened? Well, we didn't prepare them. When you reject God, you have to be aware of the consequences. Can you imagine this thought? Somebody comes to our church, Sits in our services for maybe one, two, three weeks. Leaves here, gets in a terrible car wreck, dies. Steps out in eternity. Goes to hell. At the future judgment of God, they stand. And as God judges them for their sin, they say this. Well, nobody ever told me. And then the Lord would look at the membership, the pastor community, and they say, well, they came to your church. Why didn't you warn them? Well, well preacher, I didn't, I mean, well, God, uh, as the preacher, I didn't want to offend them. I didn't want to scare them. I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I didn't want to preach the word because the word is divisive. You understand, there, there is not, there's never going to be a time in this world where the Bible is palatable to the lost man. Never. And and so we're living, and it's getting precariously worse and worse, where to preach the Bible is to be in direct contrast to the culture around us. But it's not my job to make you feel comfortable here. It's my job to warn you of judgment to come. By the way, when you're warned of judgment to come... You'll feel comfortable here because you'll be ready for judgment. When you're right with God, nothing, there's no fear. Nothing makes you nervous. Say, Preacher, why do we have such an age, such an attitude? I believe this with all my heart. And we're going to, maybe this morning's message is a commercial for tonight, but I believe that the reason we have so much lack of respect for the things of God is that we as churches have altered our message and our methodology so much that there's no clear delineation between the things of God and the things of the world. You know what the Bible says about the altar? They profaned the altar. What they did, they made the altar of no value because they made it like the world. And so the people saw no difference. I believe, and I'm not sure how we accomplish this other than continue to preach the Word and maybe just some practical things we can work on, but I believe it is a divine necessity that we elevate the preaching of the Word, that we elevate the things of God to, to show their right center so that people know you don't mess with God. You don't mock God. You you don't point your finger at God and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what your book says. And when we capitulate and we say, well, you know, basically the theology of emotionalism, if it feels good, do it. When we say that, what we're saying is do what you want to do. It's okay. But here's the bottom line. It's not okay. Judgment. I I, I like stories. I do. I love to tell stories. I love to read stories. This story is kind of like one of those wow moments to me because it's immediate judgment for immediate action. It's like they did it, God judged them, bam, here come the bears. Do you not think that it would be better sometimes if your life was much more Use the word reactionary. Like, the moment you got out of bounds a little bit, it's like touching electric fence. You jump back. When I was a little boy, my sister Nikki's here. When I was a little boy, we had an electric fence around our farm, keep the cows in. And Nikki was, I was, uh, I'm six years older than Nikki. I'm eight years older than Nikki. And uh, so I'm like 10, 11, she's three, four, you know, going up. And I say, Nikki, come here, I'll show you something. True story is true story. That's why Nikki is mentally challenged right now. And uh, I say, come here. I say, come here, come here, come here, come here. I said, touch that fence. And, she goes, <laughs> and here's what's so funny. She'd do it again. I mean, I, just great joy in my life was getting Nikki near that fence. That's a true story. I, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Nikki. I'm sorry, Mama. But it brought me great joy To get any of my friends to touch that electric. Anybody raised around electric fence? Just great. Get your friends to touch that. man. Them city kids come over and say, oh, that's fine. It ain't ain't on. Never believe a farmer when he says it ain't on. It's always on, okay? (laughs) But wouldn't life be better for you? Watch me now. Listen, I'm done. Look at that. Wow. Wouldn't life be better for you? Is Every time you got out of line with God, he just kind of shocked you right back in. But do you know that God doesn't do that? Here's where we are as a nation. Here's where some of you are as a people. You have drifted so far from respecting the things of God that you think you're invincible. Ain't nothing happening to me. And then one day sooner than you think, she bears are going to come. And you're going to go, what happened? And Here's what happened. When you violate God's word, you're accountable for judgment. If not little children, didn't know better. These were full grown men, maybe 18, 20. So, preacher, I'm just a teenager. Dear friend, your excuse of childhood stopped a long time ago. You may be immature, but you're responsible for actions. Preacher, I'm just a young twenty-something. I'm a Generation X, Y, Millennials, I don't know what generation we are now. We run out of alphabet. Well, I'm just a young person. No, 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 no. You know the difference between, you know what God said about Nineveh? Uh, Kevin, wasn't God said about Nineveh? They can discern between the right and the left. They can make a choice. See, young people, at some point, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. You know what that age for you is? accountability. When you can discern right from wrong, you're now accountable. Those boys knew what they were doing. They mocked God. You know what you're doing. You're going away from God. You're going to live like you want to live. Bless God. I don't care what the old time preacher man says. I'm going to live how I want to live, do what I want to do, with who I want to do it, as much as I want to do it. You have the the right and the will to make that decision. But also remember this you now are responsible for the consequences and judgment of that decision. And it, here's the thing, and I think there's something wonderful. The, the old timers can nod with me on this. There's something wonderful about living long enough to know that God is always aware. And whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. I remember as a young pastor, and I'm finished with this, I'm totally done right here. As a young pastor, somebody would come to me and they'd say, I'm going to do this. And I remember as a young pastor thinking, well, I don't think it's going to work out, but I hope it does. I remember as a young pastor saying, well, it doesn't sound right, but I hope the best for you. As an older pastor, now way down the road a little bit, I'm able to say with all confidence, not only do I hope it not, do I hope it's not going to work out for you? I know it's not going to work out for you. Now, it may not happen as soon as you think or as soon as I think, but I can promise you this, it's going to happen. And when it falls, what happened? Well, You rejected truth. By the way, the more truth you hear, the more truth you're responsible for. So the other day, a decision was made, not a decision I'd make. I said to someone, I said, I'm not angry about that at all, but I'm so hurt because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. may not happen today or tomorrow, but I know what's going to happen because you can't violate truth. You can't violate Scripture and the end not happen. Respect how you carry yourself, how you treat the Bible, how you treat the local church, how you treat the pastor, how you treat other believers, how you treat the principles and precepts of God's word, it's critical. There needs to be a high and holy standard because there is a hard and fast reality of consequence and judgment. Father, this morning I pray you'd help us to realize that all Scripture is given on purpose, reason. Lord, part of that is teaching, and part of that is admonition. Here's what to do, and here's why we ought to do it. Here's how to do it. Lord, these men demonstrated, these children, these young people, they demonstrated a disrespect, an attitude of rebellion, God, you immediately judge them for that. And I'm very sad today that we live in a society that promotes such disrespect to the things of God. Lord, it's, it's one thing from the outside. It's one thing from the liberal. It's one thing from the progressive. But when you hear supposedly conservative Christians mocking principles and precepts that are tried and true. They've stood the test of time that are ancient landmarks that have been established for, for reasons and purposes. God, it just breaks your heart because you know judgment's coming. Help us, Lord, to realize, to recognize, Lord, to make sure that the principles and precepts of God's word have first priority in our lives. Edmund, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Brother Monroe begins to play. Brother Daryl's going to sing a verse of invitation. God speaking to your heart about any issue, any area. Just thinking about this this morning, there's not a question for tonight's sermon. Again, just not a question the Bible doesn't deal with. Does it give us an answer to? Whatever your question is, find the Bible answer. Find the Bible application. Respect for the things of God. Judgment's coming. Brother Darryl, you sing for us. Folks are coming. Step another place. Just a moment of invitation.
1: Oh soul, are you weary and troubled?
2: place off but here's the question if young people if the next generation are going to learn respect for the things of God where's it going to be oh they're going to watch they're going to watch it from TV they're going to watch it from movies they're going to listen to the music of the day they're going to listen to the politics of the day they're going to listen to the school teachers of the day I would submit to you that they're never going to learn respect outside of two places. The home and the church of the living God. That's why the home and the church ought to be different. That's why mom and dad, it's a tough battle, a daily grind, but you got to teach them to respect those things, those structures and orders, authority. Church, I know sometimes we get tired of holding the line, but we have to hold the line. Because if we don't hold the line, where are we going to teach another generation to value, respect the things of God? Let's sing that last verse. Folks are still praying. Folks are still being dealt with. His
1: word shall not fail you, He promised.
2: Before the men come and before Dr. Mills comes, how many of you know what the word home training is? Home training. Now, now growing up in the South, we had home training, and, and that was teaching principles and precepts. Uh, how many of you know there's rules for um, you know, just how you conduct yourself and how you carry yourself and how men treat ladies and so on and so forth? Let me ask you a question. If you're walking on the street, all right, where does the lady walk and the man walk? The lady walks on the inside the man why Because if the man gets hit by the car, we could care less. <laughs> right It's not quite true, but in Josh's case it is true. When you sit, the lady sits on the inside, the man sits on the outside and, and um, how many of you know this when uh, when you greet someone and you're sitting down, you stand up. you stand up, you, you don't sit. How many know this? When you talk to somebody, you look them in the eye. How many know this? When you shake somebody's hand, you give them a real handshake, not a dead fish. How many know this? It's not wrong to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Say, preacher, what are, what are those things? They're home training. You know what it is? It's teaching respect, teaching to value, to honor. So when we say, uh, oh, just call, call the preacher Brent. No, I'm Brent. the name I was given, Brent. But you're not teaching, pastor. Oh, oh, just call him. I've never called Dick Dory Dick in my life. God would kill me if I called Dick Dory Dick. Now at work they called you Dick. They called you. I call him Brother Dory, Brother Dick. I call him. But I don't. I don't why? because I respect him. He is a man of God to me, and so he's Brother Dory, Brother Mike. I never say Hey Mike Hey Brother Mike, Hey Pastor Mike. You know? Uh, so when we don't teach our children, yes, sir, no, sir, look at me when I'm talking. By the way, if, if, if I'm talking to a young person, they, they don't ever look up for their phone, there's a good chance that phone's not going to make it. <laughs> that phone may see an early death. You better have insurance. Stand up when a lady walks in the room, pull out a chair. These are, you say, well, that's just old-fashioned. Yeah, that's when we had respect. We come into the house of God, we don't act like a bunch of yahoos. By the way, just just come on, ushers, you come. Uh, you may be seated. Some of you get tired. See, I finish early, but I got a second servant. Watch this. That's why we don't make the church look like a nightclub. Church. Now, this, this isn't the church. You and I are the church. But it ain't a nightclub. If I want to go to a nightclub, I go to a better nightclub than here. You never going out to ZZ Top, ZZ Top. You're never going out Van Halen, Van Halen. If I'm going to go see that, I'm going to go see that. I ain't going to try to pull it off in here. I want you to feel like you've been to church. I want you to smell like you've been to church. I want you to think like you've been to church. All right, come on, Dr. Mills, you come.
4: The lady walks on the inside so she can look in the showroom windows. <laughs> <coughs> In Exodus chapter 20, Moses brings the 10 laws to the nation of Israel. Two chapters later, in verses 29 and 30, he says this, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits, of thy liquors, the firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with the dam. On the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. These were the words of God to the nation of Israel concerning bringing tithes and offerings. God had an expectation that he would receive in due time. God always had an expectation of tithes and offerings from his people. We can call it a tithe or we can call it an offering, but what we must call it always is his. It belongs to him. We're simply returning a portion of what God has given to us. It's the way we honor him. It's the way we worship. It's the way God's people Do what is asked, what is expected, the receiving of tithes and offerings. Let's pray together. Our Father, we do not give because we are commanded. We do not give because it's expected. We give, Lord, because we love you. We understand, Lord, that you have given to us in abundance. You've met all of our needs, even some of our wants. And so we live in the exceeding abundance of your goodness and your grace toward us. You only ask that we return a portion, that the kingdom of God might be extended through our community and around the world. We give, Lord, to honor you, and we give because we love you. It's our worship. And we ask your blessing upon those that give with such an attitude and such a heart. And we thank you, Lord, for what is ours through Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. God bless you as you give. This is
4: Miss Karen
2: right here on the very front row. What is so cool about Miss Karen is that she is Jessica and Jason's mom, but what's also cool is she is a wonderful Christian lady who has been coming for quite a while now and wants to join our church this morning. And we're thrilled about that. And so uh, if you have not met her, you go by and meet her. She is just a sweetie. And uh, she sits near my mom and they can keep up with us. They, they keep up with us. Although we're grown people, they're keeping us in track. But uh, here's the cool thing about uh, Miss Karen. Uh, some of you moms and some of you dads are going through deep water with your children. So thankful for, for ladies that can come along and say, hey, I've been there, done that. And here's some principles I learned. And so we're going to tie her in and get her along with uh, Jason and Jen and others that are helping. Not just those who struggle with things, but those who love those who struggle with things. You know, every Sunday of the world, I preach to somebody who's got a broken heart because of a wayward son or a wayward daughter. And for many years, uh, Miss uh, Karen would sit in a church service and hear the word of God preached, knowing that her children were not where they should be. And then the Lord turned all that around. And so we're thankful now all their children and now grandchildren are serving, the Lord, together at communion. We rejoice over that. So you go by and uh, meet her. And then they've got a guest with them. Jason, they've got a guest. Good to have you. And uh, I'm praying for you this morning. I, mean, I, I know where you are right now. and certainly praying for you and your family and a very difficult week. Uh, this young man's brother just passed away this past week. and uh, Just uh, young, 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 uh, 16, I believe he was, 16. So please pray for this precious young man's family. And uh, then, announcements very simple. Uh, we have a reach one coming up on Saturday, so be in your place for that, right? And then also, uh, don't forget if you still would like to go to the marriage retreat, you can see Miss Nicole sign up. And then, something really cool this afternoon Francois, how many do we have lined up this afternoon for baptism? So, we have two coming up, uh, or oh four, maybe five, and these are from our chaplain's care outreach ministries. And then uh, these are folks that have been won to Christ, and we'll bring them in during the afternoon because it'll be a little bit of a difficulty getting them in and out. Uh, but this is nursing home, and then this is also from the jail, from the boys' detention center, boys that have been won to Christ. So we're going to have baptism not today but coming up. And then this afternoon the Spanish have baptism as well, so we're thrilled about that. Uh, other announcements, see the bulletin or check the app out. See Miss Nicole. A lot of folks on vacation, pray for safe travels. Everybody get back safe. Let's all stand together, please. And uh, Brother Monroe, can you give us some traveling music, please? Come by and meet Miss Carrie and shake hands with her. God bless you. I love you. Be back tonight, 6 o'clock. Continue our study on the New Testament Baptist Church, The Church Established, The Church Anchored.
0: I can't explain
1: But I heard the sound